We are I, podcast number three. We're sitting here with Sherry Seren, mother of two, powerhouse real estate agent, fitness enthusiast, and just overall crusher of life. Yes. Welcome today, Sherry. Thank you, Blake. That was an awesome intro. Oh, I try. It's <laughs> like we were just talking about it's something that I notoriously stumble through all the time. And I don't know whether it's like my initial nerves that prevent me from articulating what I want or trying to portray the person the way how I feel about them. Mm. But either way, when I'm talking in these intros, I usually second guess myself constantly. Yeah, that's human nature though. Yeah. How's your morning been so far today? Fantastic. Fantastic. I've been up since uh, quarter to five this morning. And uh, yeah, since then it's just been game on. What got you up at quarter to five? Well, the gym. The gym? <laughs> and that two glasses of wine that I had last night. <laughs> yeah. Got to justify uh, it in the morning, right? Had to justify right? Exactly. Exactly. So got up at quarter to five, got into the gym by quarter after five, crushed my workout till almost seven. Oh. Yeah. I just didn't want to leave today for whatever reason. And um, that Christmas wine guilt keeps people in the gym. It does. Especially like, yeah, it does. Like, and what else did I have last night at dinner? I had the wine and then I had some nachos Nacho. <laughs> that my kids uh, were having. So yeah, so it just made me, I think that extra half hour was the nachos probably. That what was your there. workout like this morning? The workout was great. I did um, 25 minutes of uh, uphill climb on the stair, uh, on the, uh, sorry, on the treadmill, um, which put on a really good sweat, like it was speed, not holding the bars, whatnot. And then um, it was all upper body. So arms, shoulders, and a little bit of upper back. Awesome. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Did you train lower body yesterday or how I come? I did. I awesome. did. Yeah. So my lower body's super sore. So I didn't want to go there. Although I still did some jump squats just to keep my heart rate in between my sets up. But I find for me the one thing I've really noticed when I'm isolating like upper or lower body, I like to every once in a while throw an upper body movement in or a lower body movement in like your jump squats you did. Right. Just to give the upper body a little break, pull some of the blood out of the muscles, flush the lactic acid through the system, then you feel a lot more fresh going into your next set. Okay. I don't look at it at that depth. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same Sorry. concept though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the jump squats, just just keeping my heart elevated. So whether it's jump squats or split squats or whatever, there's split lunges and yeah. jump lunges. Yeah, anything that keeps the heart rate in between just like 15 seconds. Something where I just kind of blow it up. And yeah, it was a great workout. How long are your workouts typically? Typically, they're about an hour. About an hour? About an hour. Yeah, about definitely from the time I get there to when I leave, it's about an hour and 15. Yeah. Setting up, putting the right music on, you know, figuring out your workout because I'm not a planner. Although I know what days what I'm doing, but I don't know what I'm going to be doing on those days. Like, you know, I know it's upper body, but then I just kind of quickly do a mental count of what I'm going to do. Um, so I'm not as super organized as you might think, but. So between getting up so early in the morning, five, five fifteen typically, yeah. uh, and then, you know, obviously being extremely busy in the real estate industry, yes. having two kids, yes husband, mm -hmm. activities, the whole bit. How do you not burn out? I I do, I take care of myself. Like I do a check-in with myself. Um, if I know I'm, I'm um, depleting of energy, I'm super low iron too, naturally, because I've lost some weight recently. So um, I guess that depleted my iron levels because I'm vegetarian. And so I have to be more so conscious of the way I'm feeling at that time. So yeah, I definitely take my breaks. I take my breaks and I go to bed early hmm. if the business allows it. Actually, yeah. some days I'm going to bed before the kids. <laughs> really? Because <laughs> that's my burnout, right? I know what I got to do. So Absolutely. Pass the kids on to Sean and, um, and then I go to bed. So last night was an early night as well. Do you find that you're good for four or five days and you start to peter out or how many days a week are you in the gym right now or what's, what's your um, six days, six days, yeah, six days. Um, and I crush them every time I don't go in saying, Oh, I think this is going to be like an easy day. No, I'm there. And it, it's just my gig anyway. Music makes me move and I have the right music to me. I, where do, what I, what I find that I do is my Mondays is catch up day for business. So I know that's going to be a lot of downtime as far as physically. 
Um, but I usually take my Tuesday more to myself um, and to the home and to, you know, if I don't do business and I don't do a workout those days. I just, if I want to sit on the couch for four hours of the morning, I am going to do that. But I allow myself that time. But I don't crash every day throughout the day. Like I, I just try to um, take small breaks, but I do take a full day break to myself. It sounds like you have mastered not feeling guilty for things. Like not sitting on the couch for four hours on Tuesday mid-morning or, you know, taking six days or essentially six two-hour time blocks roughly to be able to spend that time on yourself going to the gym. Yeah. Never mind, obviously, everything else you're doing too. Yeah. Um, how? What have you done to be able to help manage that guilt? Or like, is it something that you struggled with before and you I, just fine-tune now? Or? I did. I did struggle with it. Like 10 years ago, I'd feel really guilty throwing my kid into childminding to do that workout or to leave my kid behind with the grandparents to go do that workout or whatever it was, you know, in what stage I was in, in, at that time in my life. Now I'm older. I'm wiser. My kids will be healthier if I'm healthy, if I'm taking care of myself. And you know what? I fucking deserve it. <laughs> like, Absolutely. I know I'm deserving of that time. So I have no guilt, none whatsoever. Do you ever try to work out with your kids or do you allocate that time specifically just for yourself? You know, I try to do the kid thing. Like with Emma, she's 13 and she plays um, high-level soccer now. And um, I try to, but try dealing with a teen um, and telling them what workout would probably be a better workout. Let's do this. Her and I just don't see eye to eye to that. So, I mean, as much as I would love to, I don't really engage too much on the uh, workout sides with the kids. Yep. Go for walks and taking the dog out or, you know, that kind of thing we'll do. I mean, we did a hike uh, at Campbell Valley Park the other day. So, but... Um, and sometimes that's all it needs to be. Like, and I always try to communicate that with people that workouts don't have to just be in the gym. And I think right. that we get stuck into that, right? Where we think it's like, you know, whether it's at home or at a, a gym or a private club or out at the park or the track, yeah. it's just simply prioritizing something in your health and fitness, yeah, you know, promoting the healthy, active lifestyle, and then bringing the kids on a hike to show them that you prioritize it for yourself, but for them as well, and then you guys as a family to be able to spend time together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're doing it more and more now that Sean has taken this step into a healthier lifestyle. He's on board because sometimes it's difficult, you know, if you don't have your partner on board, not only for yourself but for the family mm-hmm. as well, right? So I think now that um, Sean's on board, we're doing more of that where we can incorporate the kids into walks and, you know, maybe go to the, whatever that, what is that thing called in Fort, Fort Kells, um, that jumping, you know, oh, in the, the top extreme, lanes, yeah. it's extreme air park. So like, we'll do things like that. Sean used to be very reserved, but I was like, no, that's your guys' thing. You guys go to it. Now he's actually being a part of it, which is encouraging the kids more to Whenever I, yeah, and whenever I go to the place, I always have to bring an extra shirt. It's oh, quite, yes. it's quite a workout. It is. Yeah, and, absolutely. and the thing is you're having so much fun while getting that workout and you probably burn like 800 calories yeah and kids love it right yes. you know it's and it's easy to get sucked into their fun and i the one thing i notice when i regularly go it seems like my mobility is better you know just because the range of motions are so much different and you're kind of jumping sideways and up and challenging yourself in such different directional patterns than what you would in a gym yeah no you're right you're right and the and kids are just so quick right? Because they're much lighter. <laughs> yeah. And they're just mentally much more quicker too. So yeah, it keeps us young. So you you mentioned before that you just recently lost some weight. Mm-hmm. How much? Um, about 20 pounds. 20 pounds? Yes. Yes. So and um, it was uh, an all or nothing thing for, for me. But again, Sean came on board um, to support me. But in that support, he lost some weight too, which worked out really, really well. Um, so yeah, no, I I I feel great. I feel great. Um, what started that? Like, what was the final moment where it was enough is enough? I got to do this. Um, I I personally think that if you're connected with yourself, um, and you know that some patterns in your life are not cohesive or indicative of who you really are. Like, I'll give you an example. I was drinking wine about five to six times a week. 
yeah. with dinner. And it's easy. I mean, ladies, I'm sure you guys can totally relate. It's so easy to say, well, that bottle's going to go to waste <laughs> if I don't, you know, drink it all or we'll have two glasses each. But it's so easy once those two glasses happen to say, honey, do you think we should open up another one? Right? Kids are going to bed and it's our relaxed time. So it just became too much of a habit. And I didn't like that, how it made me feel the next morning, how it made me feel going to bed in the middle of the night. I don't do well when I've had a couple of drinks and, you know, anyway, so all these things were happening and I just thought, and with wine, more, you know, too much consumption of that comes like careless eating, mindless eating, yeah. really. And I think there's something interesting about alcohol that's not really talked about a lot there's a lot of justification in especially drinking wine. Have a glass of wine. It's easy. You know, it's good. It's you good should be you. doing it. It's hard. And, yeah. you know, like doctors propagate that message. And, you know, the wine industry is obviously huge at it too. And and it's not that we should restrict ourselves. But like you said, it it's very hard to stop at one or it's everything else that comes along with the one glass. Exactly. And I heard this statistic and, you know, I'm probably butchering it now. But I believe what it is that if you have a, a regular consumption of alcohol, no matter what it is, a, like a beer or a glass of wine or a drink, but it's on a, a regular, regular basis, basis yeah. it can make you up to 20% more depressed. Oh. So I asked myself one day, you know, like, would I ever take a pill that made me 20% more depressed every day? Right. Like what I do all these things personally myself to live happy, healthier, balanced life. So then why would I then counter that regularly? Right, right, right. But with the drinking comes just like those moments of, you know, a couple hours of good time, your body feels And it's so temporary. And it's so temporary. Because we know that it's just a slight manic episode. And we all know that alcohol is more of a depressant than anything. So you're going to go into that slide. But then it's the refined carbohydrates and the sugary stuff and yes. all the bad food. And then it's just the downhill slide. <laughs> just, yeah, it is. And then 20 pounds later. Absolutely. And that's exactly why I thought, you know what, Sean, we can't continue like this. And you know what? Our kids are watching us. Let's be honest. Like Emma's 13, Ethan's seven. You know, you don't want them to see us with a glass of wine every night in their hands. Like there was just so many things that went to it. Um, was it was it tough making that transition or are you the type of person that once your mind has made that decision, it's just like, that's it? Oh, I, it was tough. Oh my gosh, it was tough. But I am that person that I'm an all or nothing. There's no in between. I can't say, oh, once a week on a Saturday, I'll have a five ounce glass of red wine. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Because right? then it's like 5.1 ounces, yeah. 5.2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's only a little bit left in the bottle. It's, yeah. So I, I yeah, no, once I've made up my mind, I've, I've done. I mean, losing weight isn't something new to me. Uh, I've lost tons of weight like when I was younger and stuff so for me it's just that I've been so stuck in my routine um, that it was much more difficult getting out of it this time for sure and that that's one thing that I find the most about especially with having you know like a drink in the night or you know like you come home and your mind almost just goes there not even really that you need it's just those routines and patterns that we get in because you know it was over a year ago now or pretty close to a year ago where you know, I heard that study or I was listening to a podcast where I heard, you know, like that 20% more depressing and it really hit home with me. And then I also realized it's all out of routine, you know, and I'm like, yeah. I don't even like the really like the taste of it or, you know, like it doesn't really do anything beneficial for me. And that same thing, I always felt like there was a, a slight, very faint monkey on my mind mm -hmm. when I'd wake up in the morning and I always work out in the morning. And I just didn't like that. And I wake up early myself just like you to be able to work out. And anything that tilts that scale in the wrong direction is tough. Right. Because you, you want to wake up in the morning and feel energized to go work out, not just dying to hit the snooze button. That's just it. I agree with you. I mean, last night after those two glasses of red wine, um, and there were like heavy pours. <laughs> so it's probably like four glasses. Um, it was difficult getting up this morning and I'm no word of a lie. And usually I can't do it. I hit that snooze button or I'm so tired that I still wake up and just go downstairs, sit on the couch with a cup of coffee. Um, and then you, you get pissed off at yourself. Like, holy shit. Like, why did I 
waste all this time when I could have killed a workout, came back, you know, so you start, so yeah, I, I, um, I just wasn't going to allow myself to do that today. I was like, I gotta go. And with the holidays upon us, like whatever workout you can get, you get in, right? How long did it take you to lose the 20 pounds? I started, um, end of July and I think I was first week, second week of October, I was there. And then let's, 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 I'll be honest. My first 10, 11, 12 pounds was strict. No wine, no varying from the plan. My diet plan, I did the keto, stayed under that 1,300, 1,200 calories. It was a little low. I know I was depleted, but didn't do much cardio because um, I realized that with the minimum calories that I was taking in, um, that doing cardio would make me very faint. So, um, so did you once do I, intermittent fasting with keto or did you just no, do keto? No. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'd wake up hungry. I'd go to sleep. Like it was yeah. just like one of those, like, no, I couldn't do the intermittent fasting, but, it, but as soon as I lost the 10, 12 pounds, you're like, holy shit, I think I can have that, you know, that glass of wine or that vodka. So my last stretch took a little longer for my eight pounds or whatever, five pounds, just because I was allowing myself some celebration in between as well and giving my giving yeah basically allowing my vices to come back a little bit so and you said and correct me if i'm wrong that you've you've gained weight and lost weight throughout the course of my life, life? Yeah. <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah do you feel like what you've done this time is is sustainable like 100%. this is the time where it's it's gonna stick it's gonna stick for sure it is um i gosh I think I was 21 years old. I was almost 290 pounds. And that's when the doctor, and I was eating fast food, oh my gosh. And obesity runs in our family, but that's such an excuse, you know, that, oh, it's in our DNA or it's just genetics. And um, I've been hearing some really interesting research that obesity, um, oh, how do they classify it? Obesity is contagious because of environmental factors. It's like contagious so by association. I, I totally believe that. And I think I was the product of that for sure. Um, so at that 21 doctors like, um, yeah, by 25, you're looking at a heart attack. You have no movement in life. Like yeah, I wasn't doing much of anything. Um, I was and think all the chemicals that were put in fast food that many years Three ago, right? Three meals a day was fast food for me. Like it was this out of control, just junk that I was putting in my body. And um, it was a tough, it was a tough, I'm the oldest of three. Mm. Um, my uh, household was not the most um, picturesque kind of house, like what you would expect, right? Um, had a really tough upbringing. And, um, my mom was fantastic. Dad was, you know, iron fist kind of guy. And, um, I think that had, again, that's an excuse. I, I, I'm putting it right out there, but I think that's what I used as my crutch to, um, hide all that pain and, you know, just eating just shit like, oh my gosh. But, um, but once the doctor said, he goes, you know what, you're looking at a heart attack at 25. I, I, again, all or nothing, right? I was like, all that fast food or none of it. Um, I ended up uh, going on a two two times a day workout, became vegetarian, never ate fast food for two years, two and a half years actually. And during that weight loss, as I was losing, I was about 180 pounds at this stage when I met my husband, Sean. So, so 110 pounds down. 110 pounds down, yeah. So it's just, it's amazing that all of a sudden you had that kind of willpower and that kind of strength when you, because we clearly will eat to be able to mask, you know, certain emotional oh, situations yeah. in life. Then all of a sudden, like one day, because, you know, when we're that young, you know, 21 years old, it's hard to be able to think about what a heart attack at 25 even really means. Right. Oh, absolutely. But you, the funny thing is, is that, okay, the doctor says that, and it hits home. But none of the other stuff is hitting home. I can't fit into normal clothes. I'm going to these, you know, plus size. Nothing wrong with it, but this was 
me going to, as a young, young woman with all my friends, you know, going to nightclubs wearing these funky, fun clothes. Yep. And, you know, I've got all these skinny people all around me. I'm going, I have to hide. I can't even go shopping with my friends because it's embarrassing. So size 22, size 24, sometimes size 26 clothing I was buying. Um, what size but are you that now? wasn't enough. I'm a size. Seven eight, right? Seven now. eight. Seven eight. Yeah. So it's like three of you. <laughs> right. How does that even like what does that even mean? Like when you look back, it's like three of you down compared to what you are now. Like that's astonishing. It is. It is. I, I'm so proud of myself. And hence why I, I I you know, when we take those breaks or we do things for ourselves, I never did that for myself. Like I never did anything for myself. It was always for others, appeasing the family, appeasing the in-laws, appeasing somebody. But I never looked back. And, and so now when you sit back and, you know, the last few years when I look back, even pre this 20 pounds, before even losing the 20 pounds, I look back and I thought, holy smokes. Like, how did I live? Like, why did I let myself go to that? Why did I use all these experiences that I said caused my weight gain? Let's face it. They didn't, none of that caused it. That was me giving it meaning, right? So, um, and it's how you identified with it at that time. At that time, yes. And now that I'm 43 years old, I'm much older, <laughs> wiser, and I'm more confident. I look back and I say, you know what? That's what I what had happened to me. But I've I've come out of it. I've learned from it, and I certainly um, talk a lot about it with my kids, like with Emma especially. Do you ever go back for yourself, like when you're in the gym or when you don't want to get up in the morning or any of those those typical apex struggle moments or like that that 290 pounds, like I'm never going to go back there or is it so far in the past that it's just... Gosh, no. You think it's a distant memory because it's so many years ago. No way. It's like yesterday. Really? Uh, yeah. It, I, I sometimes... And it's funny because I'll ask Sean, does it look like I put on weight? Like even just like a week ago, you know, I'll say stuff like this. And he's like, gosh, like, no, why do you keep doing this to yourself? Because the cycle, although I physically have changed, psychologically, I feel like I should have probably gotten some help along the way. Maybe even today, because I, I still, um, confident, I'm everything that you'd expect me to be after going through what I have. But there are days when I, you know, feel a little bloated around that time of the month, perhaps. Um, I still feel like I've, I've put on 15 pounds. Oh my gosh, I feel, you know, and so the psych and walking down a narrow hallway, I still go sideways. <laughs> you know, like when somebody's walking by me, I still go sideways because I feel like my hip might hit them or you know like so those kind of things I haven't grown out of and no it's not a distant memory I wish it was um at times but then again that's what probably keeps me you know wanting to be a better version of myself you know and I see that all the time as well I see people more often than not sabotage themselves far before they achieve the success because yeah. it's taking them out of their natural comfort zone in life. As much as they're not happy with what they are, it's what they know. Yeah. You know, so that's a big part of your mindset right now. It, you default back to and you feel like that's what you know because yeah. that's who you've always been. Mm -hmm. You've always been this certain person, this certain way you've done these certain movements around other people, like turning sideways in a, in a hallway. Like right. those things, I've never seen them synergistically change as a per person changes weight. Right. And where you say that, I think that's one part that people never think of to seek help for when they're losing weight. And with the keto diet now being so successful for so many people, yeah. like even my dad's lost 30 pounds on a keto diet. And my dad has never been aware of things like that at all. You know, wow. as he was unhappy, he's like, got to lose some weight, gonna yep. hop on this keto diet, got inspired by my sister. And I look at things like that 30 pounds is a lot of weight, but emotionally, I don't think that that changes somebody. It's more the change for the positive. But I know a lot of people like yourself where it's, you know, 80 pounds or 100 pounds or 150 pounds. And you really change because we know now like how much what we put in our stomach, what we eat, right. you know, with our vagal nerve, it transfers that information right to our brain and our brain affects our stomach and our stomach affects our brain. So but we never seek that help. It's no. only, how can I lose this weight? And it's so fast with the keto diet now 
and intermittent fasting and all these great tools that we have. They're great information and tools for us to follow, but the change is so fast. Like that's for like, do you think that's sustainable for most people? Like you, you feel like you got a good grip on it now, but you are going into it very strong where people typically are going into it in a lot weaker of a position. They gain strength because they've lost this weight, but they lose the weight and then they just authentically seem like they don't know where to go from there. Yeah. Like, do you ever see that with your social network or just people in the gym? My husband. I mean, he's, he's done an amazing job losing the weight with me. But I can, I can say that he's probably put on, like, it's his own claim that he's put on the weight. Like, he's put on maybe, you know, a few, five or six or eight pounds. And it's easy to do because you don't function like that on a normal daily basis. I still, I guess the normal, the, 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 the population of people who go through keto, I don't think they sustain that diet throughout their everyday life after that once they've achieved that 20 pounds, 50 pounds, whatever it is, I don't think they uh, continue that diet in their lives. I still, it's almost like every other day is keto for me, right? Because I still want to enjoy my life. I mean, I don't want to be counting every calorie or saying I can't have that pita bread or whatever, whatever it is. Um, So I think every other day for me sometimes, but or I keep it as keto as I can and then still allow myself for, you know. So I think if you can do that, I think you'll be able to sustain it and continue your workouts and everything else and be cognizant of what you're putting in your body, blah, 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 and what time and whatever. Um, but I, I find for me it's the – ever since I tried experimenting with the keto diet, like I don't specifically try to get in or maintain ketosis, but since I started experimenting with the keto diet and the meals, the cognitive function and – just my performance level and how it feels like I can process calories so much more efficiently. That's why I do it. You know, where I'm not looking at like losing weight or anything like that, but I can't even fathom having a piece of bread with coconut oil and cinnamon on it. Something I used to eat all the time, (laughs) but like my mind can't even process that. Like I would rather eat nothing or just like a tablespoon of coconut oil and cinnamon sprinkled on top and just eat that because right. I feel so much better all day long. I, 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 for me, when I'm on, like if once, well, I'm kind of still most, most of the, for most of the week, I usually am on it. But if I do the glass of wine or I do have the bread or chips or anything that's carby, honestly, my joints swell up. Like I the feel the inflammation, even my knuckles. I'll, I'll feel it. Um, I feel it definitely in my knees and my hands. Like my rings will like go super tight. If I keep a high calorie keto, even let's say if I still did 2000 calories a day on keto, I won't feel like my, my, my knuckles are swollen or my knees are swollen. Not at all. Even my face feels swollen. Um, do you notice the cognitive function? Like do you a lot more crisp, easier to make decisions, less emotional swings? Yeah. It, totally. That's that's the other thing that I totally um, noticed is I'm on top of my game. Like I'm always ahead of where, where I used to contemplate or be foggy. Foggy is one of the big ones, right? Because uh, no clarity. The carb is fog, like we the all carb know. fog, yeah. And I think that most people don't really understand the carb fog that we all live in in Canada, Canada and the United States yeah. and stuff like that. You know, countries that are more westernized until you go into ketosis or you eat more keto and you're just like, wow, like my vision seems more clear. I can make way better decisions. Like, you know, things when you're not going through those hyperglycemic and hypoglycemic states and those fluctuations, it's just a lot more even keel throughout your day. Like, and then working out on top of that, you know, asteroids fall in your car and you're fine. Yeah. Yeah, Right. It's not that big of a deal. No, you're right. The, The clarity, the cognitive function has been, yeah crazy like yeah. totally crazy so what's been your your most substantial struggle with fitness or health and wellness anything like eating exercising maintaining like is there anything you can think of in your past that was just like such a struggle or just it put you in such a rabbit hole that you never thought you'd be able to come back from it and you just slowly slogged your way out of it being in real estate 
and just being a social being that I am, my social network is, I'm always like, I, we, I, we love going out for dinners and we love going to social events and functions and, um, and that usually, if I do too many of them, that's when I start getting back into that rut of not taking care of me because you're just, you're just so involved in, you know, the next function or the next, and then with the functions, we all know drinking happens and the eating happens. And um, that was tough, like to cut, especially in this la the last 20 that I've done to cut all those functions out because if some, my husband's like, well, we can still go when you can't, you don't have to have a glass of wine. Easier said than done. Easier said than done for somebody who's all or nothing. So well, it's, it's a part of the environment. Again, it's like obesity by association. You right. Know, it's like drinking by association. Exactly. Like how do you go and not have a not drink. be that person? Exactly. So I um I I had to avoid it. That was that was extremely difficult. You know, I mean, it's summer. I mean, we started end of July, losing the 20. So Sean's like, could you have picked a better time of the year? Well, when's a better time of the year? And those are all the little excuses, right? It's right. like, you know, I'm going to wait till after summer. Then you feel so bad after summer. And it's like, okay, the kids are going back to school. Okay, now we got these activities. We'll start just before Christmas to lose weight for Christmas. Then you <laughs> don't. Just, and no, then you don't. gain weight during Christmas. Okay, the New Year's coming. We're going right. to do it then. And Right, right. I mean, and we're heavy campers. Like, we love camping. So of course August was riddled with camping uh, weekends and and it was hard for for us because what happens at camping a lot of drinking yep. sit around <laughs> the fireplace having oh, some drinks right? yeah a lot of beer a lot of wine vodka, whatever it is so um, so was there strain in your social life did you lose any friends like was there just any deviation, any separation, or is it kind of come back full circle now? No, or? I lied to all of them. Like, oh, sorry, we won't be able to make it. Or, but you know, I did, and yeah. I, and then I told them why after, because I didn't. If you tell them then, this is the thing about my social network as well. It's like, oh my God, a drink's not going to kill you, or a night out's not going to kill you. Like, you just do better tomorrow. Like, eat less tomorrow, or you know, do. So the. Um, the support. Or the fake empathy and sympathy. It's yeah, like, yeah. oh, I totally know. I can't believe she's doing that. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, there was never that that, su that support. Support wasn't really, oh, you look fantastic. Like, what do you need to lose weight for? Or, you know, those kind of things. So it's just better that nobody know. Yeah. Um, you don't need to lose weight because then I have to lose weight too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't want to feel guilty for where I'm at. That's right. Those Absolutely. are the little insecurities that, you know, we may not know that they have. So we just didn't, we just didn't tell anybody. We didn't say, oh, we're on this keto thing or we didn't do anything. We just kind of avoided humans. <laughs> well, that and like have all of our lives really got to the point that none of us can have fun without drinking. Like really? Like when it comes, like that's the way that I look at it. I want to be Always at a point in my life where I can go have yeah. fun and not have to drink to be able to bridge that gap between myself yeah. and my fun. Yeah. You know, where it's like camping or weddings or Christmas parties. It's going just to be with the people that you want to be with and just right. have fun and focus on that because with That's my girls. Shift. Yeah. Yeah. And I always look at it too that I don't want my girls to think that you have to drink to have fun. Or like that every fun thing revolves around drinking. That's right. That's right. And that's a huge part of why we started this diet as well, was to get rid of those habits and be very cognizant about what the kids are seeing. And, you know. Um, was there anything that triggered that? Was it, did either one of your kids like say something to you guys? Or? No, no, not at all. It just was one day you're just getting up and saying, that's it. I'm so done. Because you're pissed off at yourself, right? That's where it kind of starts. You're just mad at yourself that can't believe I'm drinking six days a week. And, you know, I, I feel like shit the next day. And, you know, why am I doing this? And, um, and, and then it just costs more to get that little buzz too, right? Where right? it takes like three glasses of the glass. And, and, yeah, and a cheap bottle of wine will only give you a bigger headache. So, yeah. so we think, right? Yeah. Um, so you have to like pay a little bit more for that bottle of wine. So, it, yeah, it's just... But I, th I really do think that um, the kids was a huge part just watching them you know seeing us having glass wine and it was just second nature for them to see it it's not like emma would be like oh my god you guys are drinking again it wasn't like anything like that it was i started picking up that how they feel it's so normal for us to have a glass of wine in our hand every day 
And then, too, like, we have these ages and these age restrictions, you know, in Canada when we're allowed to drink and when we're not, you know, but once, now that they have access to the internet and all these tools, they can see that there's kids who are drinking in other countries far younger than yeah. what they drink here, and it's socially acceptable. 100%. So then it's like when when do they start feeling restricted by that? You know, right. seeing it's like, okay, well, this is something you guys are all doing. Right. I don't want to be restricted by this age limit. And then, right. because that's something that, you know, I hear from parents all the time, you know, in the, in the club or just, I guess, in life in general, when kids start to wanting to have some drinks and like, where do they have those drinks? And, you know, do they do it at home? Right. Or like, like where, where does that start? come into play? And it, it's such a tough subject, right? You know, my... Growing up, my dad was, uh, my dad's been always been an alcoholic, and we would always see him with drinks in his hand, whether it was in the morning, in the evening, um, but we didn't look until we got a little bit older and realized that his brain function was like so not there, right, when he was getting too drunk, but it was just normal, like we, I don't think, and I didn't start drinking wine at you know, the six days a week that I've been talking about, like at the beginning, this is just now, and you know, with our social yeah. functions and everything else, it's just kind of conditioned me into it or whatever. But my dad, like my dad had no impact of us wanting to drink or, you know, getting caught with drinking, whatever it is. Do you um, feel like that's abnormal though? Because usually we're all byproducts of our parents or like byproducts of our environment or situations where typically things like that would. You know, like if you see like your parent or adult doing anything, not just drinking, like you then want yeah. to pick that up. But you know, my brother, myself, my sister, none of us have gotten into that pattern of behavior of one. You know, because you say it with a lot of authenticity too. Like it doesn't when you say it, it doesn't seem like you're trying to convince yourself of that. Like it actually seems like there's no association, you know, between. You're down having no. some drinks and now and it seems and even just being able to stop one day, you know, people who are all or nothing have addictive personalities. Right. So even you realize like how having some drinks here and there, not that I'm trying to classify that you have any kind of problem or anything, mm-hmm. but it's more just you can tell how you have zero problem, you know, with being able to stop because you just did one day when you started on the keto diet. Yeah, yeah. So you have like great control over those kind of vices, right? Yeah. And but then you know, when I was going through that, there was also a, t- a little something in me thinking, if genetics has anything to do with this, like, I do have an addictive personality. Like, mm-hmm. that could be a part of what could be causing. Like, you know, you start thinking that and you reassess it. But no. And, and, and watching how it kind of hurt our family, mm-hmm. I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, seeing my mom struggling with it, that had a lot to do with it, I think, for us not to become that way. We were much closer to our mom than we were to our dad. Maybe that had a lot to do with it. I mean, who knows what it was, right? I think we put so much emphasis on the genetic side of things. and Or or even the uh, the um, the association of it, like seeing it all the time and, you know, being a product of that environment. Um, but because we were so seeing the results of what was happening, I think that impact us mm. more than the actual him drinking part. Yeah. So. But yeah, no, I... I um, Seems I'm like so- you guys are doing really diligent in setting like a good example, you know, for your kids. You know, you've, you've brought that up multiple times. How How is your guys' change of diet now that you went on keto diet? How has that affected your kids? Are they, they on board or... Um, Emma will sometimes say, oh my gosh, mom, like, why are you always trying to lose weight? You know, and that is scary because she's 13 mm-hmm. and I don't want her to feel like she has to be on a diet because we keep saying diet, like we're not saying lifestyle or this or is just, just the, the way, way I eat. Live. Yeah, exactly. The way we live and eat. Um, I do feel like we all need a new term besides <laughs> diet because Diet has such a horrible stigma to it, and it's such a poor way now to articulate what we're doing. Yeah. Because diets are always something that our mind perceives to be temporary or something that we shouldn't be doing or something that's abnormal. Or you, know? you just, right away when you hear diet, I think of restrictiveness, like you're restricted. You know, you're, you, there's only so much you can do in that diet. I, I agree with you, I think it needs to be changed for sure. 
So how do you manage that situation with Emma? Do you do you talk to her about it and just say, you know, I was unhealthy in my life before and I'm just more aware of how I can prevent yeah. being unhealthy in the future? Yeah, and that's the discussions I have with her. I said, look, I never was in any sports. Um, I um, wasn't active at all, to be honest. Um, and I ate whatever. My parents didn't monitor anything we ate. My mom worked long hours. My dad was, you know, working long hours. They were barely home. We kind of had to fend for ourselves almost, so to speak. But parents, you know, being immigrants, they didn't know what to feed us. They just thought, this is the normal. All the kids are eating Twinkies. <laughs> well, you know, stuff, you know, the pantry with Twinkies and chips and whatever. At least they won't go hungry. I said with, I go, that was how Nani and Nana thought of it back then. Kids were born and raised here, we have so much more education behind nutrition and physical activity and, you know, just health overall. Because I just want to make sure that, you know, you're, you guys are okay. And that's why we have a lot of fruits and vegetables. But at the same time, you're growing. And I don't want you to feel like, oh, I need to watch my calories. or so That has nothing to do with it. This is just, if I watched what I ate or had a healthier lifestyle growing up, I probably wouldn't be in this situation. So I just want a healthy lifestyle for you kids. And that's why we promote the vegetables and the eating the right, you know, the right stuff and staying off the sugars as much as you can, that kind of thing. But I think the biggest thing that drives me nuts about the way that we eat and how we teach our kids to eat and how to grow is that, oh, your child, you can get away with it. <sighs> and it's so short term thinking. It's like, so I'm going to instill all the bad habits in you now while you're the most impressionable that you know that you're going to fight later on that you don't want to do if you choose to be healthy. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't understand it myself. I, it's something that I struggle with personally. And I struggle when I see other parents that I know and I love so much communicate those things to their children. Or, you know, like even at school you know, getting those newsletters at the beginning of the year, no juice boxes, no candy, yeah. and this, please respect the teacher. They can have 20, 30 kids jacked up on sugar. Yeah. And then every single thing they do, they get rewarded with candy. Yeah. I just find like, it's, it's such a tough environment because we all still think, or the vast majority of people still think of their children, they can get away with it because they're active. But That's again, it. it's like athletes, what happen when they stop and they gain all this weight because they're used to burning all these calories. And just because you might look thin or fit on the outside doesn't mean that you're healthy on the inside. That's right. That's right. And um, my uh, sister-in-law, uh, the middle one, she's extremely slim. She's very slim. But she can still eat whatever she wants. She still takes a bag of Doritos at least three to four times a week to bed. Like, you know, that's just her thing. Well, my daughter knows about that. And she's like, well, if Cindy Pua can do it, then why is it a big deal if I, you know, did it? And I said, I get that, but she probably works out a lot or she probably does other things throughout the day to offset or, you know, what she's doing, that eating those bags of chips. Or and whatever. even those things wouldn't even technically matter, right? Like, even if you worked out twice a day and you could 100% justify having those chips, it's not, not that you will healthy. always keep on working out twice a day, but you probably will always keep having the chips, chips. three or four nights a week That's before you right. go to bed. Yeah. And those are the problems. You know, like it's, it takes no energy to eat chips. It takes yeah. a lot of energy to work out once or twice a day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, she, so I just told her, I said, that's just something you shouldn't be consuming. And if you want, and of course, because she is so, um, she loves her soccer and she always wants to like ace the game. Like she just wants to be her best best self and I I'll, I use that as um, saying if you're gonna eat the junk your performance won't be optimal like you just won't get that maximum result that you want your body to do or perform so you if you want like it's like putting good fuel in, in a car right and she's like okay I get it you know she'll do one of those she still is a kid and I'm not gonna take that away from like, you know, if she's going to have the chips, then she can have them. But she's not going to eat, like, a bag of Doritos four times a week. <laughs> like, that kind of yeah. thing. And I feel like these are really interesting Western problems that we all have. 100%. Because we have access to all this stuff. And it border, it tilts on the border of, like, is this 
even okay having all these options for children that they shouldn't even be having. So then they have to fight their own battle with inside themselves, but then us as parents have to try to educate them at an age when they truly aren't going to understand. So we can't really expect them to understand. We can always just kind of lead by example and just do like this passive approach to saying, well, this is what we eat. This is the food that's in the house and this is what's available to you. But there's so many other places in the world where like you're not going to have the Doritos or the Twinkies or the chips. And it's just, there's may or may not even be food. And the food that you have is just organic because there's no other food to eat. Like there's no even terms for organic. It's just go out to the field and pick some food or this is the food I got from the market. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think our kids, uh, monkey see, monkey do, right? They see a lot of this at school, too. Um, oh, you know, so-and-so, this is what they have in their lunch. Mom, you know, it would be great if you could, you know, pick up these sugary, like, real fruit, you know, jib-jibs or whatever they're called, right? And you're thinking, gosh, this is all sugar. <laughs> like, it's all sugar, regardless if it's made with 60% real fruit juice or whatever. And those, that's the tough marketing side behind everything. You know, and even trying to retrain people that it's okay to eat fat. Yeah. Like, you know, unless if people have spent the time researching the keto diet like what you guys have, it's tough to now say, okay, the advice I've been giving you for the last 10 years has been wrong. And that's why I always try to reference people back to that New York Times article was about six months or a year ago now where those four scientists from Harvard got paid off by the sugar industry to be able to say that uh, saturated fats were bad. That's how this whole thing started. And where that was quietly kind of swept under the rug. So I'm shocked even with the New York times putting it out, how few people actually even heard that article, read that article, or, you know, they have to go back and look it up now. But even when the, you know, like the USDA and you know, the Canadian equivalent when they took saturated fats and cholesterol off our dietary restrictions because they just know now there's no need to be able to restrict, you know, dietary cholesterol and, you know, saturated fats. Like, why not tell people that? Right. You know, That's help right. us all out on the front lines where we're dealing with people every day saying, you can eat coconut oil. Okay, well, how can I eat coconut oil because it's loaded with saturated fat? Well, because what we know now, and it's like, well, how can I trust what you know now? Because I trusted what you told me before, and it was a lie. Yeah. But, you know, between people paying people off, marketing, you know, for all these big companies, it's tough to be able to navigate through it. It is. But there's so much out there. Like, there's just not the keto diet. I mean, there's, well, the Atkins, the keto, paleo. Yeah. Paleo diet. Paleo diet. There's, and- like, so much. Weight watchers. There's, you know, and... All of them contradict one another, mm. right? They do. So I think people are just generally confused, period. It's what works for them based on their research. And I think... And that's trial and error, usually. Yeah, and the one thing I try to tell people, you know, which is the base behind more intermittent fasting, is that we just simply eat too much. Yeah. Like, that's just the bottom line. If people just legitimately ate that's less... That's what I learned, yeah. You know, because um, how many people really even burn, you know, like their Starbucks mocha frappuccino off, you know, (laughs) during the day when they're sitting in the car, because it was a few years ago now that David Suzuki did that study in Toronto about testing people how much time they spend outside. And there's that one guy that realized that although he felt like he was going outside, it was like five or six days before he would actually step foot outside because he lived in the suburbs. He from his house, he went to his garage, got in his car, drove to work, thought that he was outside, parked underground, went up to work. His gym was in the same building that he worked in, and there was a breezeway from one building to the other where the grocery store and all that stuff was. So he'd walk across, get groceries, get all the stuff, walk back in his car, drive home. So you had this essence of feeling like you're outside. But then when challenged with the thought process behind it, like how much time do you actually yeah. spend outside, realizing that he spends no time outside. Yeah, it's just That's interesting, it, yeah, so it's you know crazy when we're over-consuming all these calories and how we can look back on it, like how much time are we even spending outside? Like why is that even a question we're asking people That's now? right. Well, when I did our, my this recent uh, keto and keeping my calories quite low, I realized that, yeah, my first week was tough. Like I felt like, feeling, I felt like eating my arm. Like I was so hungry. Um, but after that, you realize that, gosh, 
I'm so, and you're looking at this food that you're eating and you're very conscious of what you're eating. And you know, you're looking at the, the amount of it and you're like, gosh, gosh, I would never have been full mm -hmm. after eating that three weeks ago. Like stomach is shrunk down and you know like those carbohydrates are just polluting your mind yeah. it's just triggering that like hunger monster saying i have to eat now and it's right. just when you go through again those hyperglycemic and hypoglycemic states of just that ravenous hungry or hunger and that's i would say probably also for what i do in a day i feel like is the most beneficial because i don't have those intense hunger like i have right. to eat right now like i feel like i need to eat but it's easily delayable right yeah no i I haven't done the intermittent, but I know that's quite healthy for you. Besides the the results you get from it in terms of physical results, mm -hmm. I know that um, it's it really balances like your blood sugar levels. Mm -hmm. I mean, anything that you'd want it to do internally. I just, but I haven't done it. I just don't think I could do it. The reason this might Again, actually help back. you try it out. So, I was never into the intermittent fasting for the reasons why publicly known to intermittent fast. Again, I also say that from a, pers a perspective that I don't need to lose weight. Right. But then I was listening to a, a podcast from a nutrition scientist and what she was talking about was intermittent fasting to be able to deplete your system so that when you do start reintroducing food, you use it more beneficially. So like that's when you know you get your blood work done and they measure all these markers in your blood is essentially that you have too much, what your body can't absorb, so it ends up in your bloodstream. So looking at that, then the food you're putting in, the little mitochondria powerhouses inside your cell just suck those nutrients in and just fire on all cylinders because they're not just being clogged up with all this stuff that's trying to push their way right. through. So and I was like, oh, I'm like, okay. You know, and then, you know, kind of learning all those like little hacks like that, because I'm all about performance. I want to be able to do anything anytime, like yourself, wake yeah. up, go to the gym, you know, maybe throw in another workout or go hiking when you're camping, yeah. all those kind of things. So that's the reason why that I do it. And I find in my mind, that's what really helps push me through. Yeah. So yeah. if you're ever going to do it, it'd probably be worth a, a try from maybe something like that, because Keto seems really sustainable for you, or just doing the keto diet every other day, or you know maybe it for is. a couple works, days. Yeah, it works really good for me. I, I just don't want to. I'm afraid that now if I let it go fully, that I might go back into my poor habits again. So it just keeps me in check. But the intermittent, I think I might try. And there's been like, um, there's been a time where I didn't have dinner, and I just because I came home late from working all day, and. Um, I went straight to bed and then the next day, I was actually 18 hours mm -hmm. uh, fasting, pretty much. And I thought, holy smokes, like I'm, you would expect me to be super hungry waking up, but I wasn't. Well, and that's why intermittent fasting and the keto diet, I feel synergistically work very well together because when you're in ketosis, you're not going through those huge fluctuations in right. blood sugars. You don't get that ravenous hunger. So it's easier to be able to maintain intermittent fasting. And I always do it in the morning. I don't, I try to delay my eating for the first like seven or eight hours in the morning. And then I don't really have an end to it. I just more eat something relatively close to when I go to bed so I can sleep. Mm, you know, I find that to be a big thing for me as I yeah. sleep so much better having something to eat, yeah, but I delayed in the morning. And I really thought that it would affect the performance of my workouts like a ton, but yeah, it, doesn't. it doesn't. But again, it only, I think, does when you're still used to metabolizing carbohydrates for energy, but once you start to you know, flick that switch and you're metabolizing so fat for energy, then it's totally different. Totally different. My girlfriend who does her 5 a.m. workouts as well, her and her husband, she always has to have something to eat before she, I, I come that early, like how do you eat something that early? It's like, oh, I can't function. I won't be able to do a workout. Mm. So her body is primarily using probably the carbs to 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 get that, you know, energy. So yep. for me, I, on the keto, um, I mean, this morning I didn't eat anything. I didn't eat anything till about nine thirty, to be honest. Like, what are you feeling like you're missing right now when you say that you don't want to keep the keto up? Or you like stay in ketosis all the time. Like what? What's something that you want to get back well, into? Because we're in the Christmas, you know, holidays. We got dinners. Like tonight, we're going to the Aurora Winter Festival, and then um, meeting some friends for dinner with their with the kids. 
Um, so I, I just don't want to be restricted at that time. Like I, you know, I want to enjoy my holidays. So going, I will definitely. And then of course Sunday we got a big dinner, and then uh, Monday we have a huge dinner, and then of course Christmas, and then, you know, go on, and then there's the New Year's uh, parties and all that. So I just thought. I don't want to go into ketos and then take get, get out every so like you know so I just thought I'll keep as much as I can for ketosis and then what I can't like if I want to have that dinner with you know whatever it is that's gonna knock me out then so be it I just don't want to be super restrictive at mm. this stage but again I'm all or nothing right so and it's funny it's like this is that this side is we were talking harder. about yeah before is that something that you're doing makes you feel better in every way of your life, but it's still this other thing seems like it's something that you should be doing. And that's the battle we all fight with, right? We all fight with that. And how crazy is that? It's like, every, like, it's back to when you were young and, you know, you're like the clothes didn't say it, you know, when you're going to clubs didn't say it, but a doctor saying that you're gonna have yeah. this heart attack, yeah. you know, actually did it. You made the change because of that. You know, but like now you're like, okay, well, my, I can think clear, my cognitive function's higher, I can crush it at work, crush workouts, have all this energy, lost all this weight, but I'm just going to stop doing all that to be able to do this other thing that I know is going to be the flip of all that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think, just my environment. This is just it's right. just, it's all of us though. Right. Like yeah. we're all like that because we were so indoctrinated for so long that you have to have carbohydrates, a little bit of fat, a little bit of protein, these balanced meals, yeah. breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And that's something that I'm trying to break with my kids of a standard breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Because it's a very old school perspective. Like we do need to eat 100%, but those are the kind of things that when we look back at what we feel to perceive to be normal, where keto will never feel normal to you. No. But there should be a generation coming up where it's normal. Not that we should eat a certain way our entire life, like different situations dictate a different diet, sure. but you know, at the end of the day, what we're doing here is completely backwards for health and wellness. Mm -hmm. And, but it's what we feel we need to always gravitate back towards too. Yeah. I, so what I started losing weight when I was 21 and, um, and I've struggled with that my whole adult. Yeah. My whole adulthood. I still struggle with it. Like you know, now I'm like, oh, I'll do keto for these many days and then these many days I won't. Same thing with low fat when I was doing just egg whites and, you know, one toast instead of two or whatever it was that I was doing to lose the weight before. Uh, rotis, like Indian rotis, I would just, instead of having two, I'd have one. Instead of having butter Only in my... Only two? I'm like, I'm going to have like six or seven right? instead of yeah. five. <laughs> so it, it's just, why can't we just continue eating like that? Mm -hmm. Why does it have to be that... You know, we make little breaks in between, or monster breaks, or we just don't—we don't change our lifestyle at all. And you're right; I think everybody's like that. But that's just the way we've been conditioned. Absolutely. Right. So. So through all these situations in your life, before you know, we wrap this whole thing up. Um, is there anything that you'd like to share? Just you know, like that that moment or that everybody struggles with getting started, and you know, really getting their engine fired up and saying, I got to make this change. Like we all, I think, think about it, but there's such a difference between thinking about it and just getting it done. And you seem like a person that is always just getting it done. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you can throw out there? Just that, that gut check moment, that, that process you go through in your mind to help get from conception to actual application? I'm all about energy. I think energy vibrates through all of us and that's just the way it works. And, um, I, I just feel like you have to surround yourself with positive people because um, if you have negative, th those are the people that will stop you from doing what you need to do, right? Um, as soon, I, that's what worked for me. I had to clear a lot of negativity out of my life and, um, and just believe that I can't stop short nothing. Like I am so powerful that no force can stop me, only myself. And, and I, that's what I did when I was putting on the weight and everything else. And, but at this stage, I think anybody that wants to, it's always a nice thought. Oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do this. 
but you have to understand how powerful our minds are. Our minds are so powerful beyond our body. Like our minds are that powerful. So I think um, just get up and do it. Don't think, don't wish, just, just get up and do it. And you'd be surprised what your mind and your body can do. So I think you made just brought up a really solid point is don't think, just act. That's right. Don't think because how much thinking do we do throughout the day? Oh yeah, I got to do this. Oh yeah, I got to do that. Oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. But we don't. And we make this, these stupid lists. Like I used to have sticky notes everywhere. Like I got to do that. And you're just procrastinating a lot of the times, right? Um, we do those things that you know you need to do to function, but those things that you know that would we just, you know, soar, we we put aside and say, oh, when I feel better or when I have to do this or when I do that or when I, you know, no, just get up and do it. Like, I don't think when I get up in the mornings, I don't think at night, oh, I got to get up in the morning to go. No, I just get up. I just get up and go. And that's with my business, same thing. I get up and go, but I'm positive. I manifest. I, I'm strong. I don't let bullshit take me down. I don't allow anybody's noise disrupt my path. I think that's so important. And it's reacting instead of thinking, right? Like, you know, like what you just said, it's the, that moment that you entertain a thought of an out, it becomes reality. 100%. But if you just eliminate that 100%. thought process altogether and it's just something happens, you just go. You know, you have to wake up, you just get up and go. Like yep. there's a... A deal that needs to be wrote, you just write it. Done. You know, the kids need to be picked up from school, you just do done. it. You know, you yep. got open house, you bring them with you. You know, done. you just done, 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 yeah. check it off and just keep crushing it. Yep. Absolutely. Don't think, just move. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sherry, for sitting down with us today and it was amazing talking to you and you know, I know this is gonna be extremely inspirational to a lot of people and I, so. I appreciate you taking your time out. Thank you for having me.